Our guest today, um, her breakout single, OK Cupid, recently celebrated <laughs> its 10th anniversary. Um, since then, yep. she's conquered music by being a repeat contributor to Adult Swim's single program, self-producing her own full-length album. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go in and give you all the flowers. Soundtracking video games such as the hybrid tabletop game Beast of Balance and crushing it in the band's Teen Suicide and the Pom Poms with her husband, Sam. And if that was not enough, she's founded her own label, Pretty Wavy, which boasts <laughs> a roster that includes Ricky Eats Acid, Pinky Swear, and the founder herself. And I am very, very excited to welcome to the pod, Kitty. How's Hello. it going? Good. <laughs> I just dropped awesome. my AirPod on the ground in the middle of that. So yeah, <laughs> thank you for all of the recognition. Also, 10 years is a long time. Wow. <laughs> I know. it's It feels aging to me because I'll, I'll be like, oh my gosh, I was, that soundtracked my like college experience. Um, so some so, yeah. people tell me that it's and they're like, when I was in years. fifth grade, and like, I'm like, wait, you're listening to that in fifth grade? Like, well, right. where were your parents? I, I don't know. I'm really old. For, for me and probably for you, though, we had um, Kaya, My Neck, My Back. And for them, they had oh, yeah. Okay, Cupid. <laughs> God. Yeah. All right. And so I think it makes sense to kind of start at the beginning. So you had been recording music for a while before Okay, Cupid for like a couple years. Um, but when you recorded that, did you feel like it, you struck something? Was there intention to sort of break in with that song? Um, how did that go? No, I didn't. Um, I hadn't even really been recording music for more than like a year. I feel like, yeah, it was like 2011 when I started. And then by like the end of 2011, and I was just posting stuff on Tumblr. Like it wasn't, it was a joke, you know, like all of my music was just music that I was making for fun because I was bored, you know, I had a MacBook. It was my first MacBook and it had GarageBand <laughs> on it. And I like figured out GarageBand. So I would just do that for fun. And I was just friends with a lot of people on Tumblr that were into hip hop and I was really into hip hop. So it was just sort of like a funny thing that I did. And I didn't know at no point did I ever think that any of that was going to get popular or really that like, I expected like 50 people to hear my songs like maximum. And so when that song got really, <laughs> it started getting reblogged on Tumblr first. And I was like, Oh my God. And then somebody asked if they would make a music video. And then I was like, okay. And then the music video is sort of what made it like, visible to a lot more people <laughs> it's wild that you were doing it just for fun because you were really you became known for being sort of a delicate and really thought out lyricist um do you kind of feel like that just came naturally or was it something that you worked towards well i was really into writing like writing i guess in general like my whole life and i really like to write poetry and so when i started 
rapping. It was mostly, oh, I'm good at writing poetry, so I want to write. You know, I was I was really into just like ra- the lyricism of like MF Doom and stuff, and I sort of wanted to. I approached it like, oh, I want to write poems that are like this because this is badass, and then like. I wrapped them and then of course it was a thing so it <laughs> became my career um yeah. and then yeah that was so but it wasn't really it was like the lyrics are really the reason that i started writing songs because i had no idea how to do anything else at the time <laughs> <laughs> well you spun it into gold and you were in florida <laughs> at that time right when you started yeah i lived i was in well i was in college and high school at the same time but basically I was I was high school age <laughs> so it's kind of I mean it's a great place to start rap but I know that um so I was you know on genius and I saw some annotations for Florida and you described your hometown which you you prefaced with your love for it but that's pretty bad um so first I'm curious have you had any encounters with the infamous a Florida man that we read about <laughs> <laughs> um I have known many Florida men in my day. I like to see that the real Florida man like lives in the woods and he has like his like disciples. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet because he, he comes out and he likes to wreak a little havoc. Um, but Florida oh, yeah. also recently has kind of been established as like red, conservative, kind of chaotic and all those things. But when you live there, um, what was it like, like realizing that what was surrounding you was kind of different from what you believed in um, and like the politics that Florida Florida became known for were different from what you believed in? Um, I actually, like, it took me until I moved away. I feel like I don't really think that I even knew. I mean, I, there was like a whole world out there that I had never encountered. I was, I was, you know, sheltered and I had, I lived alone, just me and my dad. And he worked, you know, I didn't really have like a lot. I was just sort of like running around the world, just doing whatever. And I mean, I re- decided to just run off to New York City when I was 18. And that was like very eye opening to me because I mean, my whole life I was like friends with, you know, I was into like punk music and I was friends with the, the punk kids at school. But yeah. I just thought that we were, you know, like, the whole world is conservative and we are the subversive ones. You know what I mean? I didn't realize that like I was living in a very conservative place and like yeah. thinking the way that I actually do, you know what I mean? Like I thought that that was like, I thought that it was just like punk rock to think abortion should be legal. You know what I mean? Like I thought, you know, and then when I moved away, I was like, wait, no, <laughs> this is not yeah. right. So now I just, that's sort of like why I wrote that song. Cause I was just like, what the fuck I would go home and visit and be like everyone here is like nuts a little bit and I felt like so crushed and now I see it as a place where like a lot of shitty people are in charge and that's not what the people that live there want (laughs) yeah yeah it's like such a huge point of contention so it's it's great that we have people like kind of speaking out about that state and kind of trying to take it back for the people who really want positive change um, mm-hmm. And so I kind of think this is the point where I want to shift into music. You know, Florida, of course, was a big, I remember seeing the, I already forget the the name of the series, but you were, you were, <laughs> Me um, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. you were wrapping it in the booth. I, know I think exactly it was like about, a noisy I... thing. Yeah. <laughs> and 
that's kind of when I realized like how introspective your music is. And recently you've been sharing an introspective series on your IG lives where you listen to your whole discography um, in front of everyone and kind of reflect on it. Was there a song or a few songs that you maybe had an unexpected response to hearing that? Oh my God. Honestly, there was some songs I didn't even remember making. Like, <laughs> because I, like the ones that are really old, people got so like, there wasn't a whole lot for people to complain about at the time, you know? Like right now there's a whole lot in the world going on. So there's like a new fucking news thing every day. But in 2012, you know, people would stay on the same topic for a few days before they would move on. And so Right. When I would release something, everybody would, I was like an 18 year old girl, not used to, there wasn't this like system of viral success at the time, you know, it was like kind of weird to go viral. It was like a, a little bit harder and I didn't know why I was. So I have all of these memories associated with my really old songs about just like being like relentlessly bullied by strangers basically. And I get it now because I mean, at the time people were just telling me how bad my music was that I started to believe it. And now when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of technical issues here, but I did have some bars and yeah, I like, it was surprising honestly to hear like all of my old songs and be like, okay, I see, like I had potential and I get what I was doing, but also the things that I'm talking about are just horrible things that were happening at the time. So like, some of them sort of hit me, even like the funny ones, you know, yeah. I'll be like, Ooh, I remember why I wrote that. And it, it hurts. <laughs> I remember because you share a lot like on social media. And I remember reading like on maybe a post or something about you having a sort of anxiety reaction and then hearing rash everything around me. And I'm like, she's literally <laughs> taking the day and writing what she ha- what happened. And it's very rare. So, but yeah. I agree. You had some bars for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Um, And so even though like a lot of the songs are sort of surrounded by like maybe bad things that happen, I'm sure during your career um, and you've mentioned that, that you were surprised by this sort of success and the everything going viral. Have any of the like moments like being featured on Adult Swim or composing music for video games, touring, have any of those been, extra surprising or something that you thought even as it started going you didn't think you'd achieve that's pretty much how I feel about everything (laughs) (laughs) like I the main thing that shocked me was like well when Danny Brown started when Danny Brown wanted to take me on tour that was that was my first like big tour and honestly it might have been my I think that was my first you know tour in around the U.S. And I, the whole time, even while we were there, I was like, Danny's just doing this, like, to be nice. You know, like, there's no, like, <laughs> Danny's just bringing me on the store to be nice. Like, there's no reason for me to be here. I didn't, I mean, I, I honestly, like, had really bad imposter syndrome for a lot of time that, you know, especially when I was young. And I, I like, it makes me kind of sad to think about what I could have done if I had believed in myself a little bit more, because... Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things that I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I shouldn't be doing that. I, I'm not good enough. And I'm like, damn, I totally should have tried that. But the most surprising thing was when I released Rose Gold and it went on the Billboard chart because that's the first time I've ever done that in my entire 
career of making music and i just released rose gold as sort of like a fuck you to like multiple people who had been messing up my career and i had just sort of been like i'm not gonna release music anymore i'm gonna be in teen suicide i don't want to be kitty i don't want anyone to look at me but i had all these songs that i was making so i was like i guess i'll just release them and then everyone liked them and i was like Oh, <laughs> yeah. and that was sort of like my second, like, that's like when I realized like, oh, I'm good at making songs sort of, I, I guess, like and that, that it took a long time. That must have been major because that was the first project that you really fully self-produced. I think there was maybe only collaborations with Sam, um, just a couple and you yep. made that all on your own. So <laughs> that's awesome. I, I can yeah, imagine. Yeah, I was like really shocked. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Well, big congrats weird. to still, that. Still weird. Yeah, <laughs> well deserved. And speaking of like collabs, you've you've done quite a bit in your career. Um, and I recently was reading about this rapper Lotto, who you may have heard. She was working on her album, and one unnamed they've kind of narrowed it down, but one unnamed rapper was like, "I'm not going to sign off on this unless you do something for me." Um, and so. Have you found like collaboration to be sort of a point of contention or have you found collaboration has ever led you to something sort of uncomfortable? Oh, like I think that collaboration is almost always uncomfortable for me. And that's like why I haven't done it in a while. I mean, if you look at my like catalog, Mm -hmm. you can see a period of time where I was doing lots of collaborations and lots of things with other people. And then I sort of shifted into being like, maybe I'll just mostly work with other people. And then there's a point where you will not see many more collaborations except for like with my husband. And that is for a reason. So yes, I've had some pretty fucked up experiences with a lot of people that make me, honestly, that's why I learned how to produce my own songs because producers were treating me so badly that I was just like, I don't even want to, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) that's exactly what happened I I can only imagine I remember reading once that someone who you collaborated with pretty notably um it was a pretty big collab the next time you saw them they were like who (laughs) and I'm like that's so disrespectful yeah Yeah. Riff Rap did not recognize my ass and that was only that was a long time ago too it was like a couple years after the song came out right and I was so shocked. I thought that maybe he was joking or maybe he was like really on drugs or something. Like, it's possible. Like, I've definitely gotten super high and not recognized people and been like, oh, yeah, hey, dude, what's up? Yeah. But like, I don't know. I thought that one was that one was pretty weird. That's not even like the worst thing, though. I mean, of all the people I've collaborated with, I feel like Riff Raff, although I've heard that he is a criminal, in which case, fuck him. But at the time when we collaborated, he was probably one of the most respectful people to me. Like he didn't he didn't even try to like flirt with me or anything. Like, you know, I mean I was like a little girl then. Yeah. And so I guess props for that. Yeah, but shout out to him for that. That was funny. I forgot about that. Yeah. Shout Thank out you to him. for yeah. no sexual harassment. Yeah. It's like we gotta we gotta congratulate the bare minimum these days, but that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I imagine too, that the music, because there's been a lot less collaboration has become a lot more personal, um, which kind of leads me to, um, your latest self-release, um, Charm and Mirror, 
um, or your latest solo project. Um, how did you, how do you decide when you're making music? Because I imagine the writing process can be anything. How do you decide when it's something for you, for Kitty, or when it's something for the pom poms or Teen Suicide? <laughs> um, it's basically like the. I'm trying to think. Everybody always asks this question, and I never know how to answer. But it's sort of like random. It's really just like a feeling of oh, this would be better as a pom-pom song. But I've noticed that the ones that I write that are the most personal, like the more personal a song is, the less likely it is to go to another band. Yeah. <laughs> like Kitty's pro- like Kitty's songs are just mostly like my like journal. And then the other bands are like, I'm going to write a song for another reason. But songwriting is like my main catharsis, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's why my songs are the way that they are. <laughs> Makes sense. And I know Bad Salts in particular was an extremely personal song for you. Um, do you want to share a little bit about its conception? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I have never talked about that one. It's been so like since I released that record, it was like during COVID. Yeah. And like it's been COVID since then. So it's like funny because I, I haven't really like done any shows or talked about the album, but that song I made, well, one day I was just, like, very upset, and I was sitting on the computer, like, making a, just making a beat or something to, like, clear my mind, mm-hmm. and I made the beat, and then I started, like, singing about it, just, like, that doesn't usually happen. Usually it takes a long time for me to, like, write lyrics and think of the right thing to put on the song, yeah. but that one I just, like, started singing while I was making it, and I was like, where is this coming from? And all of the lyrics are very simple and abstract. And I feel like it's not really clear what the song is about. So I don't really know if it like strikes. I have no concept of how it feels to other people. But for me, it's all like, it feels like a dissociative like memory or like flashback or something. I don't know. So just like multiple patterns, like multiple situations in my life where I was being like, abused but not one in particular just sort of like I don't even I can't even think of like the word for it but just like that song to me like represents like the avatar of like an abusive like oppressive person and this like the process of breaking the cycle which can feel like very insane and everyone else will be treating you like you're the one who is insane but in the end like fuck that it doesn't matter and then you get out well so that's why that song is really personal (laughs) cheers to getting out i mean and i think a big part of dismantling like what's so like fucked about like this patriarchy and the industry and you know just community like dealing with people is that you got to kind of speak about it and share it and put faces to it which i know you are definitely no stranger to um and so (laughs) i think about um you know we've learned that you during one of the apexes of your career, you were probably like 19, 20 were in an, a relationship with someone who you also worked with creatively. Um, and there was a lot of abuse and things surrounding that. Um, how does something like that happen to you at such an early age, such an important part of your career? How does that affect how you navigate? Mm, navigate what? <laughs> navigate like, 
music music i mean or just everything. everything yeah i mean it is everything because it, it it seeps into everything i can imagine yeah it's a, i mean well i got into that situation because i i mean i was in a cycle already from when i like was very young you know and it i ran away from home and i went to new york city and i was 18 and i was like oh hell yeah i'm gonna do whatever i want and I went to the club with my friend and I mean, I was a viral sensation that week. So it was like really cool for, you and, know, everybody was like, oh, it's Kitty and yeah, these Kitty are Pride. All things and, you should be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but all of these people, I mean, now when I think about it, now that I'm 29 years old, like, and my little sister, she just turned 21. So I've had, like, I've been having like a few years of being like, this is how old like this was me back then and this is what happened to me and i just think it's like really wrong but anyway so i just ended up in the club and i met this boy who was really creepy and weird and that attracted me to him for some reason and that's when i met hot sugar and he i didn't know how old he was actually until i had already moved in with him and he then i found out that he was 27 and i was 19 but he was just really obsessed with his own like he wanted everyone on the internet to think that he was really cool and he was really into getting like Tumblr followers and Twitter followers and just clout and whatever. So he was very like, he would tell me anything that I wanted to hear and just lured me, sort of lured me in to use me for stuff. Oh. And he was really abusive and awful, but getting away from him, like I definitely missed out on a lot of things because of I was in that relationship like during you know basically like the crucial point of my career where i had a lot of opportunities that probably could have like made me really really popular in music but i don't i really don't think that i would be happy if i'd taken them yeah. you know like in the long term i don't think that things would have turned out as well as they did now so i'm not like i regret nothing but it does make it really hard to especially when nobody knew about for a long time I, I had to keep secret after we broke up he was he I had to leave for my own sanity and yeah. we broke up after like a long period of like big messes and he was so much older and he grew up he has really rich parents he went to wow. NYU with a lot of other celebrities and so he's really connected he was already really connected when we met yeah and i had no idea like how and you know how ingrained that shit is into like entertainment at large like there was there was like a couple years where i couldn't do anything because he was telling everybody that i was insane and i would meet new people like i i wouldn't i'd have a meeting with somebody and then you know, they would just not talk to me and I would find out from somebody else that like, oh yeah, well, you know, he's friends with hot sugar. So, and it was just fucking up my life. And uh, when I tried to say something about it, he sent me a cease and I tried to like, I said something really like a subtweet that had nothing to do with him. And he sent mm -hmm. me a cease and desist from his lawyer and was like, I'm gonna sue you if you say a single word about me to anybody. If I find out that you're saying anything like list just the craziest thing, and I was wow. so scared that yeah. I didn't, I was like, well, I can't afford to get sued. So I didn't. And then he ended up, it was probably three years. Let's see. Yeah, I think it was three years later that 
he sued my husband for tweeting something about him yeah. about him being a known abuser after you know we learned a lot from a lot of girls were coming to me right. to tell me because they knew I had dated him and I was like I can't not talk about this anymore so then it all came out and so since then it's been like a lot easier but at the time I was it made everything hard it made it hard to be alive like to even because all I wanted to do is be making music and releasing it and it was like everybody that could help me thought that I was this fucked up lying little Florida trash girl and it was awful but <laughs> now it's over <laughs> yeah it's over and thank goodness that you and and the other girls who were affected were able to connect and speak out because it's it seems like there was a similar pattern you know there's another there's other women who are in in creative spaces trying to just do what they love and you know make things happen for themselves and um they find people like that so it's a problem yeah yeah um there's a lot a lot of women that you'll hear are crazy or a bitch or like really hard to work with that they just have a shitty ex-boyfriend yeah so Everyone should think about that when you hear a rumor about a woman that you've never met. Yes, words from the wise. And it's not just <laughs> it's not just men in the industry or men in that people date because you I mean we talked a little bit about this earlier. You were probably the first person I saw online that the incels and grown male adults just flocked to send hate and vitriol and they were obsessed with it and I don't know how you did it, but how, well, you can explain. How did you combat all that? Um, actually, I, that was like, I feel like that was so, was easy for me because I was so used to being on the internet already that I like, I, I kind of like, as soon as it started, like I had seen this with so many, I was just like a fucking, I would go on 4chan, Tumblr and whatever <laughs> all the time. And I wasn't like into doing that, but I recognized it. So as soon as it happened, I was like, they're all going to come for me. The more I say it to them, the worse it's going to get. They're all going to get bored eventually. It's going to be fine. And I was also, you know, partying and doing whatever I wanted. So I was just kind of like, fuck you guys. Oh, you're just jealous. Yeah. But I mean, over time, it does take a little toll to like, hear this over and over again so like there's still a little part of me that like whenever I put something on the internet like even if I'm just tweeting I feel this like are you sure that you want to post it like are you sure you're ready for what could happen like everything I say so I'm working on that yeah, but, but it's, <laughs> it was really it's 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 fine yeah we just gotta remember they're in their little cave with their you know computer screen tan and you're living life and <laughs> um make it yeah like anyone who is bullying you online has less to do than you have so like just yeah fuck them <laughs> um and I really also kind of noticed that um during that time you really didn't hold back with the um with talking about like your experiences and etc so um I I just commend you for for making that happen for yourself. <laughs> and even though a little bit of it came Thank from desensi desensitizing yourself, 
it, it worked. <laughs> it made me feel weird that, I mean, it still does. I think it's fucking, I think it's so much weirder now. The Everything just confuses me. I don't understand it. And that's why I started a label. But like, I think it's fucking insane that no one will talk about what happens to them yeah. because everyone is afraid and everybody wants, like, I am proof. I feel like hopefully I'm proof. Like, I know I'm not like a mega superstar that some people want to be, but first of all, I don't think that life is a very good one. And second of all, like, you should just, just say what happens. Like it will always be okay. Yeah. Like people are there for you to protect you, but people just, are so scared of losing what they have that they won't say what happens. And so the public just decides and it, you know, yeah, everyone comes up with their own idea of what's going on and it's really dangerous for like everyone. It is. And I think speaking up and taking control is really, really the theme around that. And I think taking control too allows you to do some great stuff with your work. Like I know when you released Charm and Mirror, you were able to share or to give proceeds from the sales of the EP to Glitz, um, an organization that helps LGBTQIA plus folks with relocation, asylum assistance, health services. Um, do you mind sharing what it felt like or why you felt it was important to join forces, join forces with Glitz? Well, I mostly was, I mean, obviously Glitz is just, amazing and I believe in everything they do and just I don't know I mean I'm not gonna sit and talk about what they <laughs> yeah. do because I don't want to get anything <laughs> wrong but um it was you know I don't want to like accidentally you know whatever but it was probably the most rewarding thing that I've done with my music ever because it just felt wrong like when I was I was set to release that album and there was so much going on in the world that was, I just felt like I didn't even want to release it. That's the, the main thing. I was just like, I don't, why would I put attention to try to take attention from myself right now? when like, I don't, I don't want any attention on me. It needs to be on important yeah. things. You know, there was protests for like 25 different reasons and none of them have to do with my music. Um, but, you know, obviously I had had, there's, some very annoying systems that you have to plug your music mm -hmm. into and you get a whole schedule. So unfortunately I couldn't just stop my album at that time. And I was like, well, I don't want, like, I don't want to make money off of this. Like I want to give it somewhere it's going to matter and do something good. And so that's when I realized like, oh, I'll just donate the money that it makes and that'll be cool. And I did not think it was going to make so much. I mean, it was like, I think like six grand, five grand or something. Oh, yeah. But when I got to like actually send that to them and like write a letter and be like, hi, my name's Kitty. Like, this is from my album. Like, you know, here's <laughs> thank you for doing stuff. It just like was, it was the best. And I was like, oh, now I'm going to just do that with all my albums. That was so yeah, fun. Hell yeah. And yeah, I know it felt really good. <laughs> shout out Glitz. Yeah. The work that they do, it's, it's, yeah, it's shout essential. out Glitz. Glitz with yes, an S. Glitz with an S. <laughs> Um, and you've been pretty much all your projects are in some way self-released you've been producing. So it seems like a natural progression was starting pretty wavy. Um, how valuable and important was it for you to take the reins and open up pretty wavy and give a channel for other artists who maybe don't want to take that traditional route or pipeline? Well, it, 
honestly, I always wanted to start a label because so many labels had been so shitty that I was like, damn, I'm going to start one that's yeah. good. But I just don't really, see, I mean, when I think about it, the role of a record label, like, it's just sort of like a cheerleader, you know, I don't even know. It's like the whole system doesn't really make sense to me. And I was just like, okay, I think that if I can figure out the parts that I don't understand yet, like the business end of things and how logistically things work, that I could use what I've learned to help other people not get screwed over in the ways that I have and also do what they want without losing, you know, without having some record label person be like, actually, we're only going to give you the money if you change this and this and this, you know, because that's happened to me. And I'm like, well, then bye. <laughs> and then I don't take the money. And then, you know, you're broke. And it's just, that's just not how yeah. shit should work. So that's why I started my label. And I, I mean, obviously this past year, I've had a lot of like crazy stuff going on. So we haven't released anything in a while, but soon we're releasing a whole bunch of stuff and that's really exciting but yes it is very the main thing that's important to me is just to have a model of a record label that's not dicking anybody over <laughs> so that other people can start them too well i i think that's a great tagline i think you should add that to the website <laughs> um and okay so as i mentioned earlier um here we go again with the 10 years, but it has been 10 years since the premiere of OkCupid. Okay um, if you had an opportunity to kind of whisper something in the ear of Kitty that was in front of the MacBook getting ready to record OkCupid, okay um, what would you tell yourself? That is really hard because I feel like every single teeny tiny little thing that's happened since then is what got me to where I am now. So I feel like I would probably just like stand there and be like, just be brave. Like, I feel like I've, I feel like that's what I've been like telling myself this whole time and like whatever reality I'm still 19, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But the only thing that I want, I wish I knew was that I should have been braver, <laughs> I guess. Stood up for myself more. I hear that. So um, thank you. Thanks for sharing. Um, Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, I definitely want to check in. Are there any upcoming projects or anything you want um, our listeners to check out? Uh, well, there is a new teen suicide single called Coyote, which came out like three days ago, yes. I think. <laughs> and it's the first single from our new album, which is coming out. Sam, when's the album coming out? He's got headphones on. New Teen Suicide album's coming out. All right. We'll keep you posted on <laughs> and that. And this year, we're going to release new pom-poms. Nice. Yeah. All right. Lots of good music to look forward to. And uh, where can the listeners find you online? Um, I am at Kitty Wavy with two Vs on almost everything. And you can go to prettywavy.com with two Vs. Awesome and see all of our stuff. All right. Well, thank you, Katie. I really appreciate you taking time to chat with us. Um, I feel like the listeners are going to get a lot out of the what you've shared as well. Um, and so thanks. <laughs> this is my first closing. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well.